Hello and welcome to the fifth Ollie podcast show. Can't believe we're here. Guys, um, just want to say thank you so much for your support so far. We've had some really positive words back. So yeah, I can only say thank you for that. Something a bit different today. We have none other than local boy Michael Hamilton on the show. It's a bit different because Mike is not an Olympian. He's not a CrossFit Games athlete and he's sure as shit not a millionaire. But what he is, is probably one of the most successful people you haven't heard about. The reason I wanted to get Mike on was in, in getting to know Mike in the early stages of our friendship he was actually in the process of closing down a business which traditionally and historically is a very very uncomfortable bump and grind process with a lot of people involved with a lot of intricacies and and more often than not it can get ugly I was dumbfounded at the grace and elegance and, and integrity in which Mike done this whole process and it's a complete testimony to his character so I wanted to sit down with him and kind of pick his brain on, on why and how he done that and you know how he made the decisions he did because you know i definitely learned a lot from this podcast so yeah me and mike have gone gone on to be good friends um and we have a lot of fun recording this and that definitely comes through so i guarantee you will get some laughs so just uh want to say thank you again and i'll leave you with the company motto of small victories repeated daily thanks guys i hope you guys enjoy Hamilton. Michael has done many things. He is a jack of all trades. Um, and we kind of met on a bit of a random <laughs> excursion. So random. I slid into Mike's DMs. Um, when was it? Uh, flip. Has it even been a year? I don't think it has. We'll call it a year. Like We'll call it a call year. It a year. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I slid into Michael's DM. I was somehow drawn towards him and I asked his wife's permission um to slide in and, and she let me slide in and that's just what i done so um i'm kind of butchering this intro so i'll yeah. let you introduce yourself mike say hello to everyone hello everyone i was kind of concerned there when you started like talking about like high performing and i was wondering where that was going because anyone who's listening to this will uh know that i'm not like an athlete so yes yes but listen mate you're successful in your own right and we all get to that but yeah mate give give the people a bit of a background info what do you do where are you from what's your life story Slick. uh okay so 25 we've just discovered that we were in the same year at school but not the Ooh. same school um Ooh. i always thought you were more mature than me even though i look older but hey really um, me more mature <laughs> No, I suppose, uh, well, right now, if I start here and work back, uh, I'm currently working as chef, cook, kitchen guy, um, also have some side hustles of my own. Mm-hmm. Um, Actually, you may just tell the people where we are, because this is video format as well, so... Right. We uh, are... Actually, I was just about to take our thunder. Go on, tell them where we I are. Mean, we can... No. Okay, so this is Written Branch Cafe on the Orma Road. We got three premises but this is kind of like the upper end uh, of the Ormer Road so Jameson Street if you know it um, yeah so Root and Branch that's where I'm based that's where I work uh, full time ish um, yeah so at the minute like three days in the kitchen a couple of days out in the road doing seals which you probably didn't actually know yet I didn't know that um, yeah so that's been fun like for the nice. last few weeks um, but going back a little bit uh, I had my own coffee shop before this um, and yeah, I've just been doing a few wee things Inside that we'll kind of, yeah, through. we'll, we'll mm. get to, like, we'll get to. Yeah, so, so Mike is kind of like myself. He started your entrepreneur journey very young. 
you literally have just informed me. <laughs> he started selling potatoes when he was seven. You know, that's even younger than I was when I started my own jam. But yeah, mate, talk us through that kind of what got you into trying to do your own thing. Yeah, I know it was only like today I was thinking about when did it actually all start. Um, so my grandparents live on like an old farm. Yeah. Um, and there was just always this conversation about like how they used to kind of like hobby farm, if you like. Yeah. Um, and I was just always super intrigued by farming and all that kind of thing this is so random because i'm a city boy like mm-hmm. um but yeah at about seven or eight me and my brother decided we were gonna take on the the family business the family yes business. yes um yeah so one one kind of springtime i think is when you plant potatoes if it's not someone will tell me um <laughs> but yeah we started we planted potatoes and then just went and told all our family that these potatoes were going to be ready in like whatever month um took their orders, supplied them with potatoes, they supplied us with a pound coins. <laughs> I actually, no joke, I still, like, to this day, have the book, little notebook that I, like, took the orders in. Oh, boys. And it's, like, mum, dad, nan, papa. <laughs> I mean, they were definitely petty orders. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, obviously, like, I was seven. Um, but for about three years, that's what me and my brother did. So yeah. I think I've always had that kind of, like, urge to just do something entrepreneurial streak yeah that's called yeah it. yeah spirit spirit entrepreneurial spirit mm. fire within <laughs> oh nice i like that um yeah so i think obviously that was just a wee bit of cracking stuff at the time that was a big deal to me but then um yeah like going through school i never really like never really enjoyed the study never really enjoyed the like the books if you like mm-hmm. uh, always wanted to do something slightly different um yeah, and then when I left school, I started. So and what was kind of the first big project you, uh, that you went into? Did you go into like a standard nine-to-five work, or did you kind of hit the ground running on your own? Pretty much. Well, so I did. I went and got a, sh- I went and got a job in a coffee shop and lasted two weeks. Ooh. That was the summer I left school. And it was actually there I was like, I was so offended by how the place was run. Yeah, that you were like, right, I can do this better myself. Well, not even that, but just like, I just knew that like there was cracks and stuff and I just hated it like so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, But actually from there, I decided I was going to like go out my own. I was big into sport and fitness and stuff at the time. I still am, but you know. Um, So I went and did my personal training course. Oh, like we all do. We all do. Yes, £1,600 well spent. (laughs) (laughs) And obviously I knew everything at that point. Yes. Yeah, so when started like running circuits classes in like church halls, that kind of thing. That was class. Um, And yeah, started like selling programs, if you like. Nice. Um, So yeah, all those getting into online training now. Mm, you were the you were the early adopter essentially something like that yeah if you're an online coach now basically you copied michael hamilton's model <laughs> that is MHPT what pt is what it was oh please <laughs> well yeah, so. i was going to drop a, a cheeky one in there but i'm not going to do it but no it because nah because i moved on no it's nothing to do with you it's another famous instagram influencer doing an online programming that they're really uh 
Actually, do you know what? I'm not going to finish the sentence. <laughs> she has way too much influence for me. So, um, yes, mate, that's kind of bringing us well into the first question, which if I get it up here. Um, how did you start out in business? Because you were really, really young and you started the drawing room in Bangor, which probably a lot of people will know you for. Mm. You started that when you were 23, which is incredibly young to take on a brick and mortar um, business. Yeah. And literally that just refers to uh, a high street-esque business where you know you've got your rent you've got your building fees maintenance all that stuff um so yeah like you say or like i say you're 23 when you started that's very very young um what the hell brought you to that revelation <laughs> it was actually do you know what it was something that i kind of like the background of the story is that my brother and i were kind of looking at, at doing something um opening a coffee shop and at the time like it just wasn't it wasn't perfect for him um, he was getting married like in around that time and obviously like saving for a wedding a house all that kind of thing and so he sort of just gave me his blessing to just like run on with it um, and pursue it myself so I kind of like stumbled across a business partner um, totally by chance but also through the guys here at Ritten Branch um, and she was like she had the property she had the equipment like she you know, she was the there, infrastructure like, of a business, let's right. say. Yeah, so yeah, I kinda got involved with her. Um and we yeah, we started a limited company in twenty seventeen. Um and that was that was the start of it like. Um, awesome. But it was funny, it was like with her it was a complete chance encounter. Um and like you know, we actually split last year and to be honest, like don't have any connection now, like mm -hmm. which is crazy, but like life kind of brings people in and out, yeah, of, big time, out big of your time. path that way. Um, and so at the time, like it was great. Um, but yeah, like it was just like the sum of like a lot of small connections, I suppose, of people like the guys and it, here and it always, else. that's me, that's the way it always goes. You know, it, like a lot of people think you, you need to, you know, it needs to be the right person or the perfect kind of, um, the perfect plan and yeah. generally it never really is that it's kind of opportunity and time and meeting time and meeting opportunity and and a bit of luck sprinkled on top as well <laughs> um yeah. but i think the sheer fact that you were going out there and you were looking for that mm. like it might not have come in the flavor that you thought it would but right. it came all the same yeah and even talk us through that you know what were the what were the processes in setting up and um, the drawing room and, and setting up the the cafe and, and making it what you wanted it to be essentially yeah um so i suppose like whenever we kind of set that up now like three years down the line i can kind of see you know the bigger picture and where it started and like yeah, how yeah, naive yeah. we were yeah um and it was kind of just like here let's do this and let's do it this way um like initially when the shop opened it was like coffee and sweet things mm -hmm. um and like that's a cool idea but like unless you have hundreds of people coming through you every day your 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 shop every day like you're never going to make it work um and obviously in this country like we don't have any like massive built-up areas with mm -hmm. like loads of people yeah um so very quickly we learned that we actually need to incorporate food into the menu and stuff um and so there were all these like little things along the way that we learned the hard way i suppose mm -hmm. some some not so hard lessons but yeah some lessons were like you know remember like coffee and sweet things turning over like 65 70 quid a day um 
and that doesn't even touch your cost exactly um so yeah we had to we had to kind of adapt really quickly and just like evolve and grow what we were doing um so yeah as i say like we brought food onto the menu uh breakfast lunches that kind of thing like our opening hours probably changed like three or four times within the first kind of six or seven months um and then we started doing like evening events ticketed events like different col collaborations with like other organizations and you know like artisan makers and that kind of thing so yeah like there was no like set in stone plan like this is what we're doing and this is how we're doing it it was all just like let's figure it out as we go which i think like a lot of people yeah do and i think it's something that i've really used a lot in, in my own business model is like the plan that you start out with like for me i can only relate like the plan that i had for ollie clothing is night and day different to what it actually right. is now and i would say that was much so the same for you and in terms of whenever you were doing that process what were the main indicators that showed you that you needed to change was it was it being aware was it data points was it you know feedback from customers yeah so a bit of everything um i actually a few months into the journey um i went on the survey monkey um and just created like this survey and it was just like i think it was called like how are we doing mm -hmm. and we just like posted it on our facebook page um and yeah, just invited like everybody to just like have their say, which is kind of scary, I think. Because, it is like, scary. You can get anything. And uh -huh. obviously like there were some crazy like off the wall <laughs> things like. Why do you not have a sauna in your coffee shop? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Like you need sofas and like we can sit like 15 people at the best of times. Yeah. So like, um, but yeah, so that was cool. Um, just to kind of like get feedback. Cause obviously like when you're, when you're on one side of the counter, like you only see things one way. Mm -hmm. um, and then obviously like people coming in through the door, like they're the ones that are getting like the special treatment. So like they need to be the ones that are telling you whether it's good enough or not. So that was one of the things. And then I reposted that survey twice more, like six or eight months down the line. Um, and it was just to see like, had we actually improved Yes. Um, since the first time around. So like, yes, customer feedback was a massive thing. Um, but also then I suppose like, um, with like all these like fancy till systems like they give you like graphs oh, and charts and everything like analytics you yeah. love them and you hate them exactly so, but but that's how you learn um and it was a case of like all right is this selling well let's keep it let's push it more on our socials is this not doing so well like why are we wasting our time like get rid of it um and it's just learning off those kind of like trends and things like hospitality is a really funny thing because like you think on a really wet day, nobody's gonna come out, they're gonna stay in the house and actually like they turn out to be your busiest days. Yeah. Um, like a couple of weeks ago, there was obviously like storms here um, and it was like our busiest weekend, like in this place. That's crazy. And you think like- New people wanna stay like, in. If I, if I were off, <laughs> I would still be in my pajamas. Like, <laughs> so yeah, no, like it's funny, like you just can't predict things mm -hmm. in hospitality, but you kind of just have to like, ride the wave and see you know see what you can so it's pretty it's pretty interesting to hear that start of the journey um and it's pretty interesting to see how it developed over time one of the main things that i wanted to talk to you about obviously the drawing room is not about anymore and i'll give a bit of context to that so um i think we only really buddied up during that period of of you considering closing the shop to and then actually closing the shop yeah, yeah. and during that process um i witnessed you 
handle more stress than most will ever handle. I witnessed you, I don't know if you, we can edit this out if you don't want me to say it, but paying, you know, your own staff out of your own pocket to make sure that they got, you know, sorted. I witnessed, you know, you make incredibly hard decisions, but do it with such grace, mm. um, you know, and, and do it with integrity and honesty to both your customer and your staff and your team. You know, what was the thought process in that? And, and you, well, even just talk me through that. Like, what was that like having to, to kind of close down a, a business that you put your heart and soul into for so long? Hmm. Yeah, uh, like, obviously, it is, as you say, like, super rough. Um, and there were, yeah, there were nights where, like, literally, I just lay in bed, like, in tears yeah. with the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but I think like one of the words that you said there uh, was integrity. Um, and for me, that was probably the main thing. Like, how do I not like screw anyone over, not like wreck a good reputation, not like my own, but the shops. Mm-hmm. Um, how can I do all these things well? Um, and integrity plays obviously a massive part in that. Yeah. Um, and so it was kind of just being faithful to like what we had achieved so far. Um, and not like throwing it away for the sake of like saving a couple of quid yeah and kind of like you know saving my own self like um but i suppose like one of the main things for me is like the people that you surround yourself with um either make you or break you um like you just respond to the situations that happen to you but like um when you have a good support network and you got people who have your back like it's really easy to make hard decisions i think so like obviously like my parents uh grandparents and um my wife as well like knowing that through the whole journey like they had your back they had my back exactly and whether whether i made like the absolute best decision or the right decision like they were going to support me um for me that was the most important thing um so constant like bouncing stuff off them and um you know certain other people in my life that like have been there have done that you know yeah you just you go to them for advice and stuff but yeah I suppose like to kind of get back to like how did I figure out that this was the right thing to do and all that sort of thing like I think I think there comes a point when like a business isn't making money um and like on a consistent like regular basis you gotta ask like why not um so obviously like where we were based is kind of a quiet town and there was like a few major retailers had moved out of the town and so with that like that takes a lot of footfall um obviously like big businesses can just like afford to yeah pick up and move mm-hmm. but when you're small like independent and you don't have like capital backing and stuff like it is hard to just like you just can't do it you, exactly yeah. you can't so you gotta you gotta just keep keep moving and keep like doing what you do as best as you can but we were noticing like footfall dropping off um and like that was across the whole town so not just like our one shop mm-hmm. um so every retailer in the town were noticing like numbers dropping off rates continued to rise as they do <laughs> so well um so yeah like there was a few factors like our lease was coming up um for renewal and our landlord was kind of pushing me for like a long-term lease mm-hmm. so there was all these kind of factors just like adding up and i just knew like the ultimatum was coming yeah uh, and i suppose like i kind of like i made the final decision probably like six or eight weeks out but i knew well yeah be six months out yeah um that we we're kind of heading that way 
Um, and actually, so um, one of one of my uh, uh, grandparents, my dad's dad, um, basically he started off as a tradesman and worked his way up through middle management and then eventually retired, having led like a massive organization. But I would have had loads of conversations with him about it. And he said, one of the best decisions you can make in business um, is to close your business at the right time. And he was like, he would always talk about me, talk to me about like timing of these things. Um, and it was him that actually kind of, I think just solidified the decision that like, you know, you have, you've put that wee extra bit in and you've gone out in a high. Um, mm -hmm. And it was a case of like, you know, can we make it to Christmas? Can we make it to the new year? And like, yeah, timing was everything, I think. Um, yeah, I got married like three months before we shut, <laughs> Good timing. shut the thing down. And like, yeah, like Carol, I'll tell you, like honeymoon wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the easiest. Like, <laughs> but the, the big thing, and like that, this is kind of why I deem you a successful individual is because, you know, you're mature enough um, so you kind of know when enough's enough, yeah. but also it's been your ability to kind of bounce back. It's mm. been your ability to, um, you know, yes, you gotta, you can cry and moan for five minutes, but straight after that, you gotta be gangster again, right. you know, <laughs> and, and you have bounced back and a lot of people would consider, you know, I know, well, I personally, um, do know people actually that are doing something similar, but I know there's a lot of people that would fail or fall at like maybe the first, second or third hurdle and just be like, right, shit, it's not for me. Mm. You know, what was kind of your main motivators for moving on or did it even deter you from wanting to pursue, um, you know, a life on your own terms, per se? Um, yeah, cool. So I think I always say to people, and this is super cliche, but I've always been involved in like teams, organisations, like captain and rugby teams or like, you know, like being a manager or whatever you want to term it. And I would always say that you either win or you learn. So like Ooh, you're, you're get only an Instagram meme going meme. Sorry. <laughs> That's good though. I it, think, I think like you're, you only lose if you don't like take the positives from a bad situation and kind of like, use that to turn things around. Let me, let me interject. I'm pretty sure, Patty, that that's exactly what Shane said. And Shane's an Olympic-level swimmer. So we've just... Yeah, you're, this, <laughs> you're that good, bro. Mindset, mate. Yes. <laughs> yes. We read the same books. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, but, that, but that's the thing. I think, like, if you don't... Like, if you don't, in a negative situation, like, pull out, like, the good things yeah. and the positives, yeah. like, you're going to lose big time it's um, going to consume you yeah exactly so like um i can quite clearly look back and confidently say like we did this well we did that well and like you know were certain things different it maybe would have panned out a different way um so yeah like i think like my kind of mindset would be like it wasn't a failure it was just like a small setback a small bump like whatever you want to like whatever you want to term it yeah um but it wasn't like a defining factor like I'm 25. Ugh, bro, so young. Like, hopefully, yeah. I'll have a long life ahead of me. And so, like, if I'm now at 25 deciding that I've had enough, like, there's something wrong. Yeah, you've lost. You've exactly. Lost. So, yeah, it's just, it's kind of keeping everything in perspective. And I think as a business owner as well, like, while you're in, like, the nitty-gritty, you've got to be so aware of that bigger picture. Big time. Um, and if you lose sight of that, 
you've lost. Like. Yeah, I think it's something that I personally struggle with a lot because in our in our game, I don't know about yours, but ours is so seasonal, it's so up and down. Um, and it is, it's easy. I call it being in the trenches whenever you're you're in, in the shop or in the warehouse or whatever it may be. Yeah. And you're doing your dailies and your day-to-days and you're giving it everything and you're not taking a step back just mm. to maybe see the progress or to see the lessons you've learned. And it's a, it is a really good lesson in general that like, you know, if you think, you know, one or two things to find your one or two failures to find you've got it all wrong. Yeah. And I think it's being able to bounce back and move forward is a trait that most successful, well, every single successful person will have. Mm. Um, but yeah, mate, I would definitely, this kind of leads on to the third question that I wanted to ask you is, so starting out businesses, and actually you've got a couple of side projects that we can talk about as well, but starting out um, businesses is still very raw for you still very uh you know in the last five years you've you've started something or done something new mm. on multiple occasions so um one thing i wanted to ask you is what are what are three things that you would actually um that you would say to someone that is trying to start out you know what are three things that um looking back that you wish were told to you whenever you started out and you don't even start with one and we can go yeah. off that um well I suppose like and i've already touched on it like surrounding yourself with the right people um i remember years ago here in a talk where someone said like you should always have these three types of people around you and it's someone you like look up to uh it's someone who's alongside you and then it's someone to inspire um and i think like when you have like that sort of mindset which i've always had um you're always chasing that person who's in front of you you're always like you know, seeing what they're doing and wanting to do something similar, do you know? Get to that level. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Then you have people alongside you, like, you're the sort of person I would consider, like, who's doing the same sort of thing. Big time. Um, and we can, again, like, bounce, bounce ideas off oh, each yeah, other. Oh, bro. Um, and then just being aware that there are people kind of, like, looking at you, you know, with the same mindset of, like, that, mm-hmm. you're now in that first person's yes, yeah. shoes, and someone's, like, looking at you and saying they're doing really well there like how can i how can i emulate that yeah so surround yourself with um the right people support networks are massive um family friends as i say like people who have been in business like have walked walked the path learned the hard way um yeah like get around them ask them questions like no questions stupid i think um, um even I, I'm going to put your second one into your own mouth, but you mentioned it earlier, and the only reason it, uh, the only reason I'm saying this because it was so apparent for me was the power of naivety. Mm. Like that was definitely one thing. Your naivety and the the way business can be so novel and fun in the initial stages. That's a massive motivator. That's a massive thing that people don't realize is such a tool for someone starting out. Yeah. So like, I'm totally going to hijack this and, <laughs> and, and add this in because I think it's really, really valuable. Like The excitement that you'll get in your first two to three years of starting new, new things is so... It gives you an energy that you, know, you don't even need to motivate yourself right. because you're showing up to something every day. That is your baby that you're learning. Um, it's a lesson. You know, a lot of people don't realize that starting out. Yeah. Because I know one of my one of my good friends is starting out. Um, you know, something in photography at the moment, and he's 
he's, he's just set up his first website and he's sending me everything and <laughs> it reminded me what I was like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, starting out yeah. and everything is so fun. So I definitely say to anybody starting out, that is, that is, a, that is a strength, you yeah. know, that's in your wheelhouse and somebody who's been in business 10, 15 years does not have that anymore, mm. you know, so um, one more might come on. Uh, so this probably leads on from what you're just saying. Um, and the context of it is I walked in the, walked into the shop one day and realized that I actually hated working with certain people that were on my <laughs> team, right? And it was because, it was because I had let my own business get away from me. Yes. Right? So the reality is like, if you start a business, it's not just like whatever you brand it, but like your own name is on it. And so the culture that is inside it is what you allow. Yeah, right? big time. So either you allow a culture or you create a culture, right? So like for me, I realized that actually I had allowed other people on my team to dictate like what the culture was mm -hmm. and it wasn't what I wanted my business to be. Yeah. So I had that realization that actually like, no, I define this business and I decide what goes on in here and what we do epic and keeping like keeping that as my focus then was massive because actually if i were to like talk to you about my staff turnover it was so small and the first two people we employed were there to the very end and we only had one other person finish with us and she was brought on about like three or four months in so like those guys are still my friends like and they're people that like I've built the business with, I guess. Um, but yeah, like you can't, regardless of how like, you know, good your relationship is with them, like let that get in the way. You still create. Yeah, I think um, guy I listened to Andy Frisella, the MFCU project. He actually has a quote for this, and it's one one bad apple will ruin the orchard, mm. and it's so true because it takes one one person to to get another person on their side because yeah. it's easier to to welcome negative energy than it is to put forward positive energy if you right. know what i mean and yeah. that's a big big thing yeah and did you see that affect your business i'm assuming you did yeah but i think i think i think it actually affected my own head which in turn affected the business yeah because i was like allowing something else to control you know my thoughts mm -hmm. um so yeah, then when I realized that that was going on, like obviously I've got to like create a different culture and atmosphere. Um, and here's another one for the cliche book, quote book, whatever you like. Well, you're gonna we'll love this. Come up with a book for it. You're gonna love this. We'll have to start an Instagram meme page for this party. <laughs> That's something we will have to do. Culture yeah. is caught, not taught. Oh, <laughs> one second. I'm just writing this down. Say it again one more time. Culture is caught, not taught. I love so, it. So when I had that realization that actually like it wasn't what I wanted it to be, I just started to live out what I did want it to be. And people caught on pretty quickly. Like, I mean, it's we're so not what we're meant to be. That analogy has just hit me right in the nutsack because <laughs> it's something that is so prevalent in my business as well, and I can really relate to that. But um, you know, we have we have two other guys in the business, and I would definitely say the effort that I put in and the example that I put forward is totally correlated 
in my team. Mm. You know, if I go two months being lazy and half-assed, is it any wonder my team does the same? Yeah, of course. You know, because you're essentially setting the standard. You're setting the, 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 the vibe, let's say, you know, within your business. Yeah. And it's such a powerful thing. Yeah. And essentially, as you know, if we were to s- simplify it down, is it the example that you were setting was really really started to get latched onto by your by your mm. staff yeah yeah and that's that's the thing like if as you say like if your performance is substandard like you can't expect anyone else to big time you know play play above that um and yeah like i would also say like on that your staff are never gonna have the same buy-in as you are oh, i learned the hard way <laughs> and like you know, we talked about that excitement and that passion and that enthusiasm for like, you know, starting something up and that's all well and good. Like it's your baby. Mm-hmm. It's not theirs. Exactly. Like they're just looking after it, mm-hmm. you know, and at the end of the day, they're going to go home and put their feet up and do their own thing. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to go home and think about it. Yeah. Big time. So like, don't expect like your team to work as hard as you would. Yeah. Or feel the same way about it as you would. Like, you know, you've got it on your mind 24 seven. Like they don't. I love so. that. <clears throat> that's so relative but um we'll park that bus for now parked so we're going to get into another bus right now okay and this bus is stopping at the station that is the big major question that we ask everyone which is how do you define success and what does that look like to you what is your version of success so answer the first one and the second part will probably come and try and make it word for word. I always love succinct, um, succinct definitions. You're going to love this one then. Oh, hit me. Because you love your philosophy. Oh, boys. And Aristotle. Oh, right. Once said. Paddy, get me the pen. <laughs> get me the pen. He once said that excellence is a habit. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's not something that like, we pull out of the bag for like big occasions, but it's actually something that we do all the time. Um, so success for me is that kind of same thing. Like, how do you do all the small things? Like, do you do those well? And if you do, if you're faithful in like those small things, I can almost guarantee that like, when it comes to the big things, like you're gonna show up. So success for me is like, I guess always doing the small things well. Because how, like how you do anything is how you do everything. Right. So actually that that came that came from this Aristotle quote, right? Because it actually starts off with and I think this <laughs> you can Google it later, but I'm pretty sure it it's uh we are what we repeatedly do. So excellence is a habit. Boys. Right? I'm exhausted listening to this, boys. Keep it coming, Mike. Small victories repeated daily. (laughs) I'm going to get that tattooed on my arm. I'm not. (laughs) Cheers. Yeah, so it is like for me, it's like, what do I repeatedly do? Do I I get up every day with the mindset that like, this is a grind or this is actually really fun. This is enjoyable. Like, I'm going to give everything to this. And if I do... And as I say, like, you know, show up and the nitty gritty, like clean the floor, like as best as I can. Like someone's going to look at your floor and be like, they that's, don't really that's, a, care. that's a well mopped floor. Nah, they're not going to, you're right. Nobody really is going to care. But to you, 
but exactly like it matters those small things are i think everything so yeah like the sum of all of those is is what leads to to success i think and so it's like it's not really it's not really like an end goal as such but it's actually a process i love that it's a journey we had someone on this morning on the show that kind of defined it somewhat similar you know he defined it as whenever he was he was using goals to define his success but mm. really it was the journey of achieving this goal yeah. that's where he learned that's where the magic happened yeah. and it's kind of similar to what you're saying but actually your quote is not far off my kind of success yeah. mantra which is fulfilling your potential every day yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and potential is relative and it's kind of like you on excellence and it's something that I've started doing more so um, and what you said is, is totally relative to me it's something that I have started doing in my own work is like sweat the small things you know right. give a fuck about the way things yeah. because they matter yeah. and generally that is it's those small details that are separators yeah. it's those small details that make or break you that make you stand out that make you be a bit more of a premium brand or a premium service or product provider than others. Yeah. And have you seen, uh, when did you start kind of incorporating this into your life or has it always been something that you've done? Uh, it's, it probably always has kind of been ingrained in me, I think. Um, that's interesting because <coughs> to me, that's sound, it sounds like a... Like I had to learn this, you know. Yeah. Um. But did someone teach you this or tell well, you this? Well, yeah. So, like, so my mum is a teacher, right? Mm -hmm. And she teaches like P one, P two, right? And there's this thing that they talk about, and it's nature or nurture. Have you heard of it? Yeah. So basically, like, you're either born, you're born the way you are, or like, you're nurtured to be, to be the are. way you are. Yeah. Um. And I think like that's probably the case for me. And that like there have been people who have like imparted wisdom um but i think it's almost part of your own dna that makes you this way in a sense like you were you were born this way to to, th to think like this obviously there's some input from other people but you know is that is that what you're referring to or were you nurtured it's probably a bit of both like probably a bit of both um i don't it's hard to say, like, isn't it? Like, when you because when it takes you deep of, introspection, man. When you think, yeah, but when you think of like, when I think of myself as a kid, I think like, I did always have, did always have like in me this kind of like drive towards perfection, um, and like I just always wanted to be the best at things, and I never really was. Same, <laughs> same. <laughs> like my. Like, my brother was always a better footballer, like, always a better musician. But, like, I still always had it in me to, like, push on and yeah. and be better. Yeah. So I think, yeah, like, there probably always has been something in me, like, um, and it's probably just been refined by those around me, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, like, and they've just helped to pull out that sort of thing. But I don't find it hard to say that like you were born this way i was born this way like nobody nobody's born in the pursuit of excellence yeah <laughs> comes out of the womb i want to open a coffee shop mommy <laughs> yeah yeah but it's interesting mate and and a 
and we, you know we touched on it earlier as well like this this kind of principle has led you to open up multiple things so you you know you've started you've you've opened and closed a coffee shop you're now moving into a senior role within root and branch and you've done your own side gigs as well with your wonderful wife um honorable mention who's your wonderful wife a couple of people will be no, she's probably she's more popular than you, so I you know want her to steal your like, thunder. I know I should be like giving out my Instagram name or something. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you and you and Cara, um, you run three by we are three by two. Yeah. Like, what was that project? Where did that come from? Again, it was just like another another idea. So basically, three by two is um, a mobile pizza stroke coffee trailer mm-hmm. um, that we take to like events, weddings, that kind of thing. And it was, it was just like, I just had a random idea that this is what I wanted to do one time. Um, and it just so happened that a friend of mine was selling a horse box and I bought it. And like, one thing led to another. One thing led to another. Like, but yeah, like I suppose again, as that's kind of gone on, like our first year in business with that, we basically said like, let's take on everything mm-hmm. and let's just like get our name out there. And we yes. did. And it was class, like it was so good, but also like backbreaking at the same mm-hmm. time. But it kind of led us to this point where now we can just be like, yeah, we'll do it or now nah, we can't be bothered kind of thing. <laughs> um, so yeah, like it's, that's been cool. Um, that we can just like pick and choose, I guess. Like, do we want it or do we not? Um, I mean, one thing that I'm interested in, not to get an inside scoop, but uh, like, to show the buyer at entry that it, you know that it, it's a simple simple idea in principle obviously there was some creative streak and spark that was needed to convert a, a fucking horse box into a pizzeria and coffee shop <laughs> but what was the in terms of cost and and i don't know if you know their numbers and i don't know if you want to <laughs> put them on a podcast so people can listen but you know how many hundred pounds did it start or did it take to start that there and mm. what was the main buyer's entry in that um, because I just, you know, for anybody starting out, just typical things that they might encounter. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, well, first of all, the horse box cost 500 quid. Woo! Bargain. So that was a bargain. Um, and then we did all the work ourselves. Mm-hmm. And when I say we, I mean I. Oh. Um, Cara Instagrammed it. She did, and she did it well, actually. Oh, yeah, she great always, job. She always made it look good. So, um, But, yeah, like, I've always kind of just growing up kind of like fixing things and tinkering with things so like yeah we just cladded the outside ourselves put cupboards in like put a floor down um another shout out to my brother he did that (laughs) (laughs) we i mean my brother (laughs) yeah but like so all the work was done in house like we didn't pay for that how long did it take 100 hours 50 hours 30 Uh, flip that's so difficult uh like one summer most weekends so if we're to eight weekends, say five hours a day on average. Yeah, probably. 40, 50 hours. Yeah, probably. That's that's one work end week, like, you know? Yeah. I should really buy more horse boxes. And yeah, just bro. Them. Do you know what? Just buy a horse box, convert that shit, put a wee 4G price tag on it, Yeah. take it and run. True story, though. Like, I know a guy who's done the almost the exact same thing. And he paid a guy eight grand. To do that? To do it. Like, all in, our equipment and everything, we've probably Ooh. spent no more, and I think this is even a push, two and a half K. For the uh, whole thing? Yeah. 
and that includes pizza ovens, yeah. coffee machines, um, you know, cost of, what's your cost of sale, like general supply, everything. Yeah. Unreal. And then, so, so with that then, like, obviously with events and things, like you've got your cost of like your materials for us, it's food or coffee or whatever. Um, but that's built into the cost to the end to the consumer exactly um so yeah like to make it worthy of performing that's that's incredible so side note any young hustler out there wants to start a quick business i'll sell you a horse box <laughs> well even better just buy one get a mate that's selling one on the cheap go in give it a wee wash out bit of carpet down couple of couple of shelves sell it on bob's your uncle hmm what about it? You, you interested, Paddy? You want to buy a wee thing? <laughs> um, whatever you do, whatever you do, don't put a carpet in anywhere where you're preparing food because that's a terrible idea. But I like what you're thinking. Oh, bro. Well, there you go. Smooth underfoot. Um, that's why that's why you'll be my advisory board for this new business <laughs> that I'm rolling out. Um, one one thing I like to ask everyone is <clears throat> where where and in what form will we see you in the future? What what are big projects that Mikey Hamilton will be working on? Mike underscore Hamilton fifteen. Um, Ooh. Flip. It's so funny, like because I think like where I'm at right now. Um, I always talk about life and seasons. Oh, right. Cycles and seasons. Cycles and seasons. No, mostly seasons. Okay. I did take up cycling for a while, but like, it just was not enjoyable. It's a shite sport. Man. I know, I know. Um, <laughs> it's all right. Like, no, man, anybody that sits on a bike, party for uh, two hours a day, is there something wrong with their head? Um, just in case my father-in-law is watching this, he doesn't mean it. Um, oh, I don't mean it. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Mister. Sorry, Mister Milligan. Milligan. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> I suppose where I'm at right now, coming off the back of um, a rather stressful kind mm-hmm. of period, mm-hmm. um, I'm just really enjoying like what I'm doing now, like working oh. for someone else, um, getting paid for it. That's nice. Oh man, <laughs> I am jealous. Um, and yeah, just like. Like I've always been a part of Written Branch, um, and like I'm just I'm just really enjoying like investing in this place um, mm-hmm. and just giving all that I have to this. And at some point, yeah, like I'll push on with something else. Um, I have a few ideas in my head of what oh. I'd like to do, um, and it probably isn't related to a coffee shop. A few wee things in the playbook, bro. Oh, a few things coming up, my <laughs> G. Um, yeah, so. I suppose, I suppose I can't give you like a definite like here's real fine, yeah, but yeah. in the meantime, like, you know, we're still doing three by two things. Um, so if you're getting married or whatever, yeah, hit a shameless plug. Like, yeah, slide into the DMs. We are three by two. Um, I've seen it. It looks legit. And yeah. um, have you never had a pizza? I don't think I have. I was about to do a lie there and say I've had it. It's great. And then I was like, No, Lewis, that would be a lie. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, mate. Hit a shameless plug. Hit hit your plugs. We're going to wrap it up. So hit your plugs. Where can people find you? And where can people see your journey? Right. Um. I'm not really much of. Mate, you're a great guy for a caption. I'm good for captions. I am. I'll give you that. Okay. I don't really post that often. So, if you want to hear, me. This is the best place to find me. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, it's funny actually, like, because I've met some of your pals through this place. Have you? Yeah. Oh, Jack Bax. Yeah. The J- Baxter. JBT. Boys. Um, yeah, so it's kind of cool that, like, he's become a good friend now. Yes. Um, just by coming in and, like, sampling what I throw out of the kitchen. And nice. now I like that. Nice. Um, so here's a good place to find me. But, yeah, social media, um, Mike underscore Hamilton 15. Mm-hmm. Um, is my Insta hit that three by two? Uh, three by two as well. We are three by two, um, and my wife sometimes posts me on her socials. She's mm-hmm. got a massive following. So, Cara Hamilton, Cara Hamilton, on Cara Com- underscore coming to a CrossFit competition oh, to beat maybe. your ass soon. Yes, because it yes. happens to me every weekend. <laughs> I wasn't even going to bring it up today, bro. Listen, I. I, I start out every weekend. See, I'm gonna I'm gonna have you this weekend. She's like, haha, very good. Smack talking the wife, and I let him like I let him. <laughs> Bro, I, it's it's just trash talk. And then she comes in and rips me in the asshole, and I'm sitting thinking to myself, fuck, I'm trying to do this. And she, she's the main reason why I don't do CrossFit myself. Cause she chew you up. Pretty much. Well, she shows me up. Yeah. She shows most people up. When you're as good as her, it wouldn't be hard. I know. <laughs> but um, yes, we'll wrap it up out of that. Um, listen, Mike, thank you very much. I had a great conversation. It's been fun. I um, I hope a lot of people got a lot from that, especially kind of um, the moving on from, from well, moving on to bigger and better things. Yeah. Um, but yes, um, as with everything, uh, everything good, it must end. Um <laughs> But yeah, to anybody listening, thank you so much um, for taking time to listen. Um, like I said, I hope you got something from this conversation with Michael Hamilton. Um, if you enjoyed the show today, all we ask is that you tell one person. One person. We want to build this show up one person at a time. Anybody you think would get value from the show, let them know that we're here. Um, and we'll leave you, as we always do, with the company motto, which is small victories repeated daily. And uh, We'll talk to you real soon, guys. Goodbye. See ya.